Our scripture reading today <clears throat> is from Genesis chapter 22, 1 through 8. I do want to recognize our musicians. They have fled the scene, but uh, uh, both our organist and our guest pianist and uh, the Smith family, uh, who accompanies them so well, uh, we're very thankful. We're bl very blessed in this church. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, I will read the scripture, and then we will pray. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. And he said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, <clears throat> saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together, and Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. Grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, your word has been read aloud. It's been proclaimed and will be proclaimed. I thank you for the worship that has taken place before the sermon. I pray that you inhabited the praises of your people. I, I ask that your Holy Spirit fall fresh again now and prepare our hearts and anoint me to speak and anoint the hearers to hear. And may we grow in your grace. Thank you for your holy word. May it be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. May we hide it in our heart that we sin not against you. Grow us in it. Give us spiritual ears to hear that we might hear your command, hear your statutes, hear your law, and, and by your grace, grow and go. Father, lastly, I ask, as I'm in the habit of asking, that you would either speak in spite of me and, and that you would, grow, you would grow each of us in your word and that you would use me and be glorified. And I ask it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to give you a quick overview. This is a topical sermon. It's not what I usually preach. It's what I usually preach here, and there's, there's a reason for some of that. Uh, when you're pastoring a church, you have the freedom to, as Parker often does, to preach exegesis, which means you take a passage of Scripture and you expand on it. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But when, you're, uh, when you come in like I do from time to time, uh, it's, uh, it seems to me to be more focused to preach a topical sermon. There, there's not a good or a bad, a better or a worse in any of that. It's a, a different style. But having said that, I do want to exegete very, very briefly. I'm not, I'm not even coming close to uh, honoring 
this scripture by, by separating out properly, but I do want to show you just a few highlights, if you will. In verse 1, God tested Abraham, also Isaac, so that they would see the strengths or weaknesses of their faith. Now, we, we, I mentioned that last week. We saw that last week, that God doesn't uh, tempt anyone, but he does test us for us to see. And in verse 2, Abraham, uh, Abraham's love for Isaac represents God's love for Jesus Christ. All of this is a, a, a prefiguring, a pre-shadowing, if you will, of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross of Calvary. And there's a multitude of references that you can tie into that in this short passage. But I'm going to jump forward to what I'm going to focus on today and look at verse 5. Often this is overlooked uh, when we read it, and it depends on the translation. I will tell you this. What I'm going to show you, about 50% of the approximately 25 translations I looked at had it the way it is here, and about 25%, had, uh, about 20, uh, about 50%, excuse me, of them had it the other way. So understand that. But look at verse 5 where it says in our ESV, then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Well, that's, that does somewhat imply what I want to say. And I'm not trying to impress you, but the Hebrew words here of, are wanasuba and alakam translated, then we will return unto you. Now many translations have the we in there, and that we is all important. It's implied in our translation. It is stated in many others. And that we means everything. It makes all the difference. We will return unto you. Abraham didn't say, I will return unto you. He said, we will return unto you. Abraham believed by faith that if Isaac were killed, God would raise him to life, and he and Abraham together would return to the men. Look at verse 6. The wood is laid on Isaac as a precursor of Jesus bearing his cross. And again, an image of what will happen years later. And verse 8. Centuries later, God provided His only begotten Son, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That's the Lamb that God ultimately provides. And Isaac was an image beforehand of what Jesus would be at a later date. Now that was a quick exegesis of the passage. I want to talk to you this morning about faith. Faith. We are called to be people of faith. The just shall live by faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. Uh, there's, there's so many scriptures on faith. But I want to first of all tell you what faith is not. It seems to be important that we cover this in the times that we live. Faith is not writing a check on an empty bank account trusting God to provide the money before the check clears. That is presumption. That is presumption. Do a study on presumption sometime in the scripture and you'll find that God does not have a high opinion of presumption. But it's also theft. Psalm 19, 13, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Assuming on that which God has not said is presumption. Making God or implying God is a co-conspirator in your crime. That is not faith. 
Faith is also not stepping into the highway in front of an oncoming log truck saying, God will protect me. The coroner will prove you wrong. That is tempting God. That is tempting God. Now, if you happen to accidentally, unknowingly, unwillfully, ignorantly step in front of a log truck, God may well spare you. But don't do it on purpose to tempt God. Deuteronomy 6, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Learning God's word helps us to differentiate between tempting God and walking by faith. In Acts chapter 28, Paul was bitten by a poisonous snake and he was unharmed. But he wasn't searching for snakes to handle at the time. The snake became a brief distraction and not a means of Paul's self-aggrandizement. Faith in faith is ridiculous. I want to say that again. Faith in faith is ridiculous. Well, just have enough faith. No, 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 no. Have enough faith in God. Faith demands an object. You can't have faith in faith. Faith is not an object. You have to have faith in God. I'm trusting God. I'm believing God. I'm believing in God. Faith requires an object of focus for a believer. Our faith is directed to God. One more thing I want to say about faith not being is this. Faith is not refusing all available medical treatment. That is foolishness. Now listen to Colossians. This is just a side reference. Colossians 4. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Demas. Now, may I suggest to you this, that later on when Jesus is called the great physician, that God would not let his son be called anything he opposed? Neither Jesus nor Paul berated anyone, including Luke, for being a physician or for seeking medical assistance. Indicators in the Newer Testament book of Acts suggest Luke ministered medical assistance to many while with Paul. And I want you to settle this issue in your heart. God alone heals. God alone heals. He may do so instantly. I've seen that. You probably have too. He may do so shortly or over a long period of time. Or God may take a follower of Christ home with him for perfect rest. But the great physician sometimes uses doctors, nurses, medicines, and hospitals. He always produces it through his healing in his way and in his timing. We don't always like it. We want to say, quicker, quicker. God says, my timing. My wheels grind slow, but they grind fine. My timing. Now, those are some examples, not a complete list, of what faith is not. Now, let's listen to what Hebrews 11, called the Faith Hall of Fame, says faith is. The ESV version says, Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I'm partial to the King James, which says, Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I don't know if you've ever bear hunted. But if you're bear hunting and you find a fresh bear track, what you have found is evidence that you are close to your goal. But a bear track is not a bear. A bear track is evidence of bears. Faith is fact-based evidence. I want to say that again. Faith is fact-based 
fact-based evidence. When 2 Timothy 3.16, and I hit this last week, but I want, you to, I want you to remember this one portion of 2 Timothy 3.16. When it says, all scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for reproof, most of the time we hear reproof being scolding. We do. We say, well, so-and-so reproved someone. That is not the original meaning of that word in the Greek. The Greek word is elegimon. Uh, you can't say it, much less know it. A Greek word meaning proof, persuasion, or evidence such as in I had some proof, now I have reproof. Is that good? Does that not bless your heart? Can I tell you, when I'm preparing a sermon, if I don't read something and go, ooh, it's not going to impact you either. <laughs> but sometimes when I'm reading the Word, I go, wow. Well, i got to step aside real quick and say this. Years ago, Philip, my youngest, my youngest son, he was in the office, and I was, I'd gotten through reading the Bible, and now I was looking through this concordance, and I was looking through the commentary. And, and that particular day, what I, I perceived that the Holy Spirit was revealing through the Scriptures to me lined up perfectly with the commentary. And I'm reading that, and I'm over, I'm oblivious to him even being in there. I'm going, wow, wow, wow. And he's sitting there and he kind of rolls his eyes. He was probably about seven years old. He rolls his eyes and looks at me. He said, you want to share that with the rest of the class? <laughs> well, I did. Understand this. Some will disbelieve the word of God. A young man told me one time, he said, you know my friend so-and-so introduced you to? Yeah. Well, he's now an atheist. I looked at him and I said, no, he's not. He said, not. I said, no, he's not an atheist. I said, to be an atheist, you have to go to college. I said, he's an unbeliever. It doesn't sound nearly as intellectual, does it? <laughs> Psalm 14 says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Now, God wrote that. Unbelief, therefore, is not a head problem. Unbelief is a heart problem. God calls those who embrace willful ignorance, and he said this, not me. Fools, fools. Christian faith is based on the solid evidence of God's completed holy word, beginning with creation out of nothing, ending with God's upcoming revelation of a new heavens and a new earth, all emphatically true and all emphatically trustworthy. You might be surprised to know how much science is revealed in Scripture. You know, we're living in a time that, that people say, well, the Bible is anti-science. Christians are anti-science. That's a lie from the pit of hell. I want you to hear this. Thousands of years after God's word declares it, scientists confirm it. For example, in the Older Testament book of Job, it describes the water cycle, evaporation, seas, rain, return, the spherical planet Earth, and winds having weight. The last one confirmed in our own lifetime. You see, scriptures are not anti-science. They're just anti-false science. And anti-politically motivated corrupt science. Because the truth always did set us free. Every follower of Christ possesses a different entry level of faith. Now, if you're taking notes, uh, write down Romans 12 and you'll find it. 
Romans 12 says this, and, and it's so important to hear this. For by the grace given to me, Paul says, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, here it is, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. What does that mean? That means some have more, some have less. You may be up here, somebody else may be down there, somebody else may be up here. God has assigned your faith to begin with, and I'm going to elaborate on that. Some believers have mountain-moving faith, and some have molehill-moving faith. Hence, we should never compare our faith level with someone else or some other Christian. Exercise the faith you're given. Victory doesn't take big faith. Now listen to me carefully. Victory does not take big faith. Victory takes a little faith in a big God. A little faith in a big God. That's where the victory comes from. Exercise the faith you're given. God equips the called. He does not call the equipped. Submitting our availability enjoins God's provision of ability. Whatever God commands us to do in Scripture, He equips us to do when we avail ourselves to His will. Now, sometimes faith comes in unusual packages. If, you, if you're making notes, just write Luke chapter 7 and then put out centurion. In Luke chapter 7, a Roman centurion who is a Gentile sent a request for Jesus to heal his servant, saying to Jesus that he need not come to the sick servant, but to say the word, and his servant would be healed. I want you to listen closely at Jesus' response in Luke 9. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. Can you imagine Jesus marveling at anything? I mean, he created the heavens and the earth. What would make him marvel, faith will? He marveled at him, and turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel... Have I found such faith? Which begs the next question, can a follower of Christ increase their faith? I mean, that's important to us to know. We want to know that. And the answer is yes, and one way is to receive. You probably have memorized Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but I'm going to read it to you from the SV. But the fruit of the Spirit, Holy Spirit, capitalized, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. Now the Greek word there for faithfulness is more commonly translated as faith. In fact, the King James it says faith. God the Holy Spirit who indwells every believer at conversion, who manifests in and through us his fruit, not fruits now. Notice that's not fruits. It's not a plural. Singular. Meaning, you get all of them, not in part, but the whole, as manifestation of the first listed fruit, love. The fruit of the Spirit is love, colon, joy, peace, long-suffering, faith, so on. Okay? So, the first thing you get from the Holy Spirit is the fruit of love. You know, we say, makes me love everybody. It does. It does make us love everybody. It doesn't make us like everybody. It doesn't make us approve of everybody's actions, but it makes us love everybody. I, I heard actually it was a Catholic bishop that told a man one time, he said, you know, I like you. And the guy said, well, yeah, I mean, you're a Christian, you have to. He said, no, no, I'm commanded to love you. I'm not commanded to like you, but I like you. Amen. The Holy Spirit will give us a greater measure of faith 
watch this now, if we ask him to do so, and if, and if, the need exists. See, God's never going to equip a Christian with extra faith just to impress other people. He's not going not, not to give you faith just to do tricks and parlor tricks. He's not going to do that. Never would the Holy Spirit give those in Christ special gifts or fruit to draw attention to themselves rather than Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Did I say that? Remember your salvation process. Recall this. You were dead, you were dead in trespasses and sins. Disinterested in God and demanding to be your own God, when God in His great mercy called you to Himself, gave you the gift of conviction of sin, gave you the gift of repentance of sin, along with, wait for it, a portion of faith to believe in Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul, the forgiveness of your sins, and the recreation of your heart and mind. That's wonderful. God did all of that. It was all God's doing. Or as Dr. Steve Brown is fond of saying, if you'll take the first step, God will take the second step. And by the time you get to the third step, you'll realize it was God that took the first step. Now that's the way it is. That's the way it is. We, sometimes we, th- I, I mean, honestly, with the best of intentions and a purest of heart, I'm sure, I've had people tell me, you know, I decided to come to God and I think, let me sell you a bridge in Brooklyn. You decided to come. No, you didn't. If God hadn't put that on your heart, you're dead in trespasses of sin. You're not dead men walking, not in relation to a God. If you're going to know God, it won't be because you decided to come to God. It will be because God called you to Him. It's okay to amen. Christian, quit straining yourself, trying to muster up more faith. Ask God to increase your faith. Our pastor often references the demoniac's father's request, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief, which being translated into South Alabama means, Lord, I don't have enough faith to get out of bed. Equip me with faith to believe in you and to believe you. Glorify yourself, O Lord. The title of this sermon is Faith in Action and Inaction. The second word is inaction, I-N-A-C-T-I-O-N. I close with an example of how faith is exercised sometimes by inaction. Personal story, years ago, over 30 years ago, a lady in our church, a godly, wonderful lady named Dot, she had three sons. One of them named Mark was in a horrible wreck. We were between pastors at the time. I was an officer of the church. The call came in, please pray, tell everybody else to pray. Mark's been in a bad wreck. They don't think he's going to live. I changed clothes. I, I drove quickly to the, uh, to the emergency room at the hospital. I walk in. I find his father with a friend of his father standing there, wringing their hands and pacing the floor. And I said, what have they told you? He said, nothing. And I said, well, let's pray. I didn't care if he wanted me to pray or not. I said, let's pray. So we prayed, and then they paced the halls, and I prayed under my breath. Uh, About that time, an ambulance driver walks out, and he was the one that was at the wreck, and and, uh, Mark's father stopped him and says, were you at the wreck yet? Well, how's my son? He said, sir, I don't see any way he can live. I don't see any way he can live. Uh, He said, "That that was a goriest wreck I think I've ever seen. Walks off. Okay. 
Well, we keep praying. Others are praying. And uh, about that time, uh, the state trooper comes by. Excuse me, sir, did you, uh, did you work the wreck? I did. Uh, can you tell me something about my son? He said, I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry. And he walks off. Well, the just shall live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. I kept praying. People are praying all over. Remember back at home, Mark's mother sits by herself praying for her son's life in their homes as they join her in prayer. Understand this, the last update she had was her husband calling and saying, here's what the ambulance driver said, here's what the state trooper said. And she prays for her son. She continued to pray, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase what she told us later. This will make the hair stand up on the back of your neck, I think. It certainly will challenge you. She said, I was praying and beseeching the Lord for the life of my son. And she said, the Holy Spirit interrupted my thoughts. And here's what the Holy Spirit said. If you knew I could take care of your son, where would you be right now? She said, well, Lord, it's, it's almost midnight. I, I would be in bed and I would be asleep. And that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit said, then go to bed and go to sleep. Faith emboldens teenagers to kill giants, prophets to face angry lions, and apostles to speak truth to power. But faith might say, go to bed and go to sleep, which is exactly what that godly woman did. I mean, even now, I'm... I almost can't tell you about it. That was half a lifetime ago. Back at the hospital, we were standing there. The operating doors, uh, room door, back then they weren't the substantial things they are now. They were, I think they were metal doors. But anyway, and it just flew open. And here stands this, uh, and I can say this, rotund doctor. Uh, he is, he's got his, Surgical cap on, he's got a mask on, he's got the, the surgical scrubs on, got the little booties on his feet, and all of them are covered in blood. And it's like, have mercy. And he walks out, you know, and he's sitting there and he's taking his gloves off. And he said, Who, uh, who's here with the accident? And uh, Mark's father says, I am. And, and he very weakly said, uh, Doc, how's my son? And the doctor says, well, he's got a really good gash on the top of his head. He said, you know, head wounds really bleed a lot. He said, that's where all this came from. He said, other than that, he doesn't have a broken bone in his body. We're going to keep him tonight. He can go home in the morning. Turns around, walks off. Now, I want you to listen to me. <clears throat> I try to be dignified. I really do. But I almost got thrown out of that hospital. Because they heard me on the top floor screaming, Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Glory to God! If I hadn't been a Presbyterian, I'd have danced. <laughs> it was just, it was contrary to everything the eyes saw and the ears heard, but it wasn't contrary to what the heart believed. Now, I close with the rest of the story because there is the rest of the story. God's greatest miracle that night in that hospital 
was not in saving the life of the son, but God saved the father that night too. And back at home, a wife and mother who was unaware that she now has a safe son and a saved husband sleeps by faith. Abraham said, I and the boy will go over there and worship, and then we will return unto you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we never cease to be amazed at the way you do what you do and how you do it and who you do it through. Uh, your ways are not our ways. Your thoughts are not our ways. Uh, our thoughts are past our finding out. Your, your, your thoughts are higher than the heavens above the earth. We cannot know them. But by grace, you reveal some of them to us by your Holy Scripture. Thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for what you did in the life of our friend's family. I thank you for a woman of faith that illustrated to me at that time the greatest act of faith I have ever known from someone I knew personally. Father, where are we at today? May each one of us say, where am I at? What's my faith in? Is it faith, is it faith in, in family or uh, finances or business or physical strength? What, where's my faith at? Because it must be faith in you. You're the only one that's unchangeable and infallible. You're perfect in all your ways and your ways past finding out. You're glorious and grand and beautiful and marvelous and majestic. And we are so privileged to be called by you into your family. Thank you for your grace. I pray that everyone in the sound of my voice by any means can say, Lord Jesus, may I be yours. May you save me. May you redeem me. May you re-equip me. May you remind me of your greatness. Guide me in my life until I stand with you. And we ask it in your name. Amen. Would you please stand?